Welcome to the IF's Future Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Riddle, and today I'm joined by one of my classmates in the 2020 Future Leaders cohort, Christoph Rosenfeld. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dylan. Thanks for inviting me. So, Christoph, you're a senior finance manager at Allianz Technology, and you're based in Munich, is that right? Yes, that's correct. So if you can kind of walk us through what's, what are your basic responsibilities, what are the things that you take care of? Yeah, so I'm a senior finance manager in the accounting, tax, and treasury department since 2018, so almost three years now. And I've uh, basically two responsibilities. On the one hand side, I'm responsible for the regional accountants in Europe and in Asia Pacific, where I'm uh, basically leading them on their day-to-day jobs in order to, to make the closings, in order to um, get the financials right. And, and on the other hand side, I'm responsible for uh, finance projects. And I'm supporting them from the accounts department. Whenever we have, for instance, M&A activities or we have uh, certain deals which we have to make within the group of Allianz, where Allianz Technology is involved, I need to support with my expertise on the finance side. Great, great. How, how has COVID impacted your role so far? Are you guys back in the office now? Or are you working from home? Or, or how has that done this year? Yeah, so COVID has a huge impact on on my role, on my um, on my teams, because the teams are spread um, globally around the world. And of course, the, the first task for me um, steering the teams was to make sure that everybody was able to work you know, so that we can still deliver the closings, which means that um, at the beginning of March, when the, the big crisis kicked in in, in, uh, in Germany and also in Europe, um, I had a lot of conference calls with my uh, colleagues around the world. I was uh, make sure that everybody were able to work from home, that we were properly equipped, with, uh, with, the, with the laptops, with the um, access to the systems which we use on a day-to-day business, and also ensuring that we have the, the right, um, let's say, bandwidth in order to, to steer the financials around the globe. Do you guys think that you had an advantage, or do you, do you think your teams had an advantage being so globally uh, spread out before the crisis, before COVID, that it was easier to transition versus you know, some of your teams that might have been more in-person based or more concentrated in a particular geography or office or something like that? Yes, I would say so. But um, even though I would even say that we as Allianz have an, have an advantage because we are, we are working since a couple of years on an IT strategy. So therefore, not only the, the COVID crisis, this at the end led us to, to, to the fact that we were able to really manage with the crisis in a very good way because it all started with an infrastructure initiative already a couple of years ago. We were um, converging towards a single infrastructure platform globally with a, with a certain data center hubs around the world, which led us then to the fact that we could also steer globally the IT business which we have and uh, make sure that we are running a good operations um, on a very um, high level of uh, reliability for all the systems. So therefore, yes, I would say it has a very good um, advantage for us as a global community. Yeah, no, that that is incredibly advantageous, and I think something that we're only going to see accelerate in the, last, in the next couple of years is more firms are just piling money into investment spend or into technology spend. Uh, is that something that you're you're seeing in your role currently, from either clients or, or internally? I mean, what I can see, what can I say for for the internal Alliance community, um, what we are doing is, so of course, we try to minimize the cost quality. I think that's natural. I mean, um, we try to maximize the, the, the value for, for the business, which for the insurance business is really to, to go to the client, to provide the, the lowest prices for the, for the products we, we are developing. So therefore, we also always try to keep the cost for IT to a minimum. 
Nevertheless, in order to do so, we are investing. And I think that's also the, the right way forward. We are trying to build a global IT. We are trying to harmonize our processes, our products, which we are offering. We are, we are trying to standardize our software, which we are offering, and therefore we need to invest. So therefore, I also, say, I also would say that I think it's important that we are investing in order to save the cost somewhere else in the organization on the processes which we are running, on the products which we are standardizing. And this we would like to do with a standardized IT, which we are then hosting from Allianz Technology. Do you think, though, that the, the pandemic has accelerated some of that or will accelerate some of it in the next couple of years? Or is it, 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 is it more of a case that you know, the strategy had already been developed a couple of years ago at, at Allianz in particular, and so it's more carrying that out because this is just justification that you were on the right track to begin with? Yes, I would say I would say the latter is the case. I would say that we are on the right track with the strategy which the group has decided already a couple of years ago, and uh, the pandemic showed that we have a strong backbone because we were more or less instantly ready in order to send all the people home so that they would be able to work from home, that the infrastructure were in place and they could deliver still their job, which we need to do to serve our clients even in the pandemic and even not being and coming to the office and this on a global scale. And here we also really got very good feedback from our clients, from our Allianz OEs, that they were really proud of Allianz technology, how they delivered um, during the pandemic and how they supported the business. Yeah, it's, it's incredible watching from, uh, obviously I'm sitting at the IIF and being a trade association, hearing from lots of our members, the just the success stories of sending your entire workforce home overnight across different geographies and waking up the next morning, or in many cases, at least based in the US, uh, people were sent home on a Friday and they woke up on Monday and everything was you know, close to, or if not completely back to normal, which is I mean, just an amazing accomplishment for, for the industry and kind of goes to show how much prior thought and investment has gone into the technology side to make all that happen. I want to pivot slightly and, and kind of switch from where you are now to where you've been. So uh, I know you started out your career as a, as a consultant and moved to Allianz in 2014, where you've held a, a number of roles. Um, why don't we talk about the, the pre-Allianz side for a minute, if you can kind of walk through, how did you get started out in your career and, and, and what are the kind of steps that led you to, uh, to Allianz in 2014? Mm, yes, absolutely. Thanks for the question. I mean, I started 12 years ago in the consulting area. I was working for um, uh, corporate restructuring. In this for more than three years, I supported on distressed clients in order to overcome their difficult situations and providing them uh, um, loans while writing a, a statement for um, for the banks. So therefore, I was sitting on the other side, no? really testing all the companies, their financials, their businesses to see if they will be able to overcome the the distress situation which they were in. And um, to be honest, I was not always um, knowing that I would like to end up in the financial industry. So this is something which I, let's say, saw over the years. And this is also why I choose the consulting at the beginning, because I wanted to see different industries. I wanted to see what, what suits me and what, what interests, me, interests me the most. And um, after that, that time, I found out that, that um, really serving serving the, the people, serving the businesses with products which help them to really um, um, work better and uh, to support their businesses was something which interests me um, a lot. And um, after the three, three and a half years in the consulting, I joined Generali Insurance Company. That uh, was the first time I worked for, uh, for an insurance company. And uh, here I worked in the uh, project management office. 
So I supported with the um, preparing meetings for steering committees, very operationally, but also designing new strategies um, for business needs and also working on reorganizations. That was the, the main three tasks which I, which I did at that time. And um, even though I would have stayed in Generali because I really liked the company and at that time when uh, um, there was an opening towards the global markets and Generali was not anymore only focusing on the, the German country, but also trying to work with the different countries uh, in a more closer collaboration. Um, I got the opportunity to work in a, in a broader environment um, which then took more than six months. And unfortunately, I think I was too early with my wishes and my needs to what Generali could offer. So therefore, I was waiting on the bench for six months to work in an international environment and uh, it didn't work out. So therefore, I was, let's say, at one day looking around and uh, Allianz offered uh, me a position in Paris, in uh, France, so that I can really move um, to, an, to an international role and also work abroad which uh, really interests me always in my career. I always wanted to do that. So therefore, in uh, 2014, in April, I uh, um, decided to do it and decided to, to even move to Paris. That's great. There's, there's two things that I, I kind of want to hit on there too, because I think they, they overlap with a lot of my interests as well. So it's pretty self-serving that I want to offer follow-up questions on them, but that's, that's fine. Um, the, so I started out as a consultant as well, and I think it was partly because I knew uh, you know, what kind of job function I wanted. I knew I wanted to be in communications or public affairs or something in, in that space. Um, but my, you know, my only experience outside of university had basically been uh, changing tires during the summer uh, or uh, I sold these incredible uh, phone books basically for seafood distributors that just had a list of all the fishermen in New England and, and their phone number. And you could call them and ask if you have fresh haddock today or whatever and buy some. Um, uh, and so I, I got in, thankfully, at a consulting firm. And it was, I credit it so much now because it was so instrumental in teaching me how to get a handle on so many different topics at once and have like exposure to a lot of different industries. Is that, is that kind of how you felt about it as well? That it, I mean, from my perspective, it just taught you how to get up to speed really quickly on a bunch of complex issues, which is very valuable. Absolutely, I, I fully, I fully agree. And uh, especially in the restructuring industry, you have clients and, and and projects which are lasting between three weeks and three months. So that's the average duration. I mean, we are working on a high intensity in order to deliver very fast the results because these clients needed it. Then they needed our reports in order to get new loans, in order to to bridge their their distress situations. So therefore, due to the fact that you see so many different industries and so many different clients, it was absolutely needed that you are getting very fast, full to speed, that you are really um, understanding the subject, understanding the businesses which you are into in order to make the, the right conclusions. And then on the other side, of course, personally, um, uh, you're growing very fast because you spend a lot of time um, in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the job because, of course, this is not a nine-to-five job. No, as you can imagine, um, you are sitting there long nights, but you have always a great team. No? And I joined Ernst and Young at the time, and um, really we were all from the same from the same cluster. And uh, um, these people are I still call them my friends. And this is also something which um, uh, I can always say that it's a good thing to start in consulting if you don't really know what you want to do in your life, because then you get a, um, a broad variety of uh, um, let's say businesses to see. 
you are learning a lot. You're getting to learn a lot of great colleagues, which then maybe at the end become your friends and, and stay for the rest of your life. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I like two of my best friends I met uh, at the consulting firm as well. And um, it's, it's interesting too, because then even people that you weren't necessarily friends with, but you worked very closely based on those long hours and the very intense projects, but they also go on to do really interesting and great things, you know, whether in consulting or beyond consulting and in other industries. And so you now have this, this network and that's, you know, the network effect is also part of kind of what we try to get into in this future leaders group throughout the year, connecting you and I and the other, you know, 40 something members of our class um, for conversations is, is pretty interesting and valuable. The other part I wanted to hit on about moving abroad and getting exposure abroad um, is super interesting because I think it's, it's one of those things that uh, is a, a pretty big decision at some point um and whether or not you're you whether or not you seek it out or are just presented with it um you know what were the considerations that you had obviously you know I, it seems like you had goals in your career that you wanted to address and that can only be addressed by working in a more international environment but um you know just just logistically being young in your career and having the opportunity to move away from home and things like that what what kind of considerations did you have and you know, looking back on it, is there, you know, any lessons learned for anybody else who might be facing a similar choice um, that's listening to this now? Yes. I mean, um, what I have to admit is that this kind of career plan, I, I never had. No, I, so I never started uh, 12 years ago and saying that I would like to become a CEO of whatever company. This I did not. Have. But of course, what I have was that I, that I always said that I would like to, um, let's say, grow, grow my career, grow me as a person. And I was always looking for uh, challenges you know, which are coming and on, on that way while i was going i was of course trying to develop trying to grow trying to to get more responsibility but also um was trying to look what what interests me and i think this is a, a kind of a career type career advice is always look what you what you want to do look what you're you're interested in and i at that time was really really interested to work in an international environment and uh, already today and still today um, being in Allianz Technology, which is a uh, global player in the Allianz Group, we have uh, more than uh, 20 branches and subsidiaries all over the world. Um, we are serving all um, Allianz OEs globally. It's a complete international environment. And I cannot picture myself sitting in, in, in Germany, in a, in a German country um, company, only speaking in German and only dealing with Germans. It would be not something which is not nice, of course, but for me it would be completely boring, I have to admit. I like to speak to, to people in Spain. I like to speak to people in France. I like to speak, speak to people in the US, in Asia. And all of them are completely different. I mean, uh, this kind of experience um, by going to France, which I got there, which I got with this international environment, is something which I, I never want to miss. Yeah. I mean, for me, sitting in the US and working in this kind of international environment, but it's interesting, too, the point that you mentioned on kind of the challenges of communicating across cultures, too. I was having a conversation with someone earlier this week, and they worked in an international company, and they were talking about that, you know, their home office doesn't understand what they're trying to explain from the U.S., and uh, their colleagues in South America are trying to explain to them what their messaging is in the U.S. impacts them in South America. And it was just kind of reminding me that, like, we are this globally interconnected economy, but then there are also these globally interconnected companies that have to deal with that kind of translation across their firm even. Um, is that something that you think you've had an advantage of having worked abroad and obviously coming to it from a uh, more global lens? Yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, uh, the, these experiences, 
um, which I made when I was working abroad. And even though I was working in Paris uh, for, for at that time, Allianz uh, Global Partners, um, this was also global line. So therefore, we had to deal with uh, all the international colleagues around the globe. So this was never a French company, even though I was based in Paris because that was the headquarter. But um, only to start with that the, 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 the global language was English. Nevertheless, where you've been around the globe, everybody was speaking English in every, each and every meeting, each and every correspondence was in English. So therefore, um, uh, this, helps, this helps a lot, but this is also necessary in order to, to keep the community together. And I also see this in, in Germany now, my, in the team in accounting, tax and treasury, even though that I would say 80% are Germans in that team, in that specific team, we're now speaking only about the, the, the German headquarter team, but we have a couple of people from uh, um, South America, from Russia, um, also from America. And these, these two, three people, they make the difference because, because of them, we are speaking English. And this is something which is also completely natural for all of us. You know, we would never have this idea of speaking in German because we, we want to integrate we want to keep the community. We want to collaborate in a, in a very nice and, and friendly way with all our people. So therefore, we do this naturally. And this is also the culture of Allianz, that we are a global community. Of course, we have uh, local instances um, uh, in the different countries, but we are working across the globe. We know that we are a global company. And this is also what fascinates me and, and what I like a lot. That's amazing, too, that if it's only a handful of, of people that are non-Germans or from um, the U.S. And, and South America, and then me speaking English, and it's uh, there. You know, from from my perspective, I always feel uh, unequipped when I travel abroad because I don't speak any foreign languages. And my my wife, who was a Spanish literature major, like rags on me, and she speaks fluent Spanish and is uh, you know very very worldly and all that. And I I just can't speak any language. And I've tried to pick it up and can't. Um, but yeah, the, like the. The idea that it's inclusive and you're trying to get everyone involved to kind of build that fabric is really important. Um, I do want to talk more about kind of the other positions that you've held at Allianz coming up to this point. So if you can kind of walk through, you know, once you were in Paris and you took that role, but then I know you've had several others uh, along the way as well. I would say that the next position after coming back from Paris is maybe the one which shaped my career until now, until now the most. Because um, when, I, when I came back, I took over the, the role as an executive assistant. For the, for the board member responsible for um, the IT division, which was serving Allianz partners. And um, this role as an executive assistant, I would say is something which I never wanted to miss in my life. I mean, the consulting, of course not, because there you learn how to work long hours, you, you learn how to um, switch to, to different uh, topics very fast. But um, being an executive assistant brought me um, the, the advantage that I could see how the senior leaders act. When you sit in the meetings with them, you're going to see how they make decisions, what drives them, which kind of information are important to them, how do they act and how do they communicate with each other. This is something which you can, you can hardly learn on the way. It is, it is rather difficult or it's is much more simpler to, to twist it to the other way around, um, to, to be close to them for a while. And this I did for two years. And I was really also traveling with a board member around the globe we were visiting other CF, CFOs, COOs, and COOs. We were, um, let's say, sitting in, in board meetings together, and I could just listen. I mean, all the, most of the time I was quiet. I didn't say a lot. I was just there. But I was very, let's say, active in listening uh, and, uh, and uh, capturing everything which, which was going on around me. 
and uh, this helped me a lot um, uh, for my for my for my next steps. And after two years, is also enough, I would say, because then you learned everything. Then you need to practice. You need to bring these things which you learned in in uh, in your day to day activities, and you need to 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 act on them. And I took over the controlling department after two years for the same for the same area for still the same uh, um, executive. And um, I was uh, let's say bringing up an idea to him by the end of the two years that I could say I can structure the the controlling department in a better way. I have a good idea. Let me try it. And uh, at that time, the the my boss is not the a very communicative guy. You know? So therefore, he didn't say something. I can I can clearly remember it was um, close to Christmas and I, I pitched for my idea and I also said that this should be my next step. And I, I didn't get a response. No? He was carefully listening, of course. And then he said, have a, have a great Christmas. I say, okay, well, what's now? Okay, can I, can I get the job or not? And when I was coming back in January and then we, we had the first chats and then he, he looked at me and said, did you start? I said, with what? With your organization. I said, you, you never said yes. But he said, I do not have to say yes. It was a good idea, so let's keep it going. <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite incredible. And then I, I did this. I did this. I really restructured the teams. I, I set up a nearshore team in Bucharest. I restructured the team in Munich. At the end, I had uh, more than uh, 13 people working for me. Um, half of them, they were working in, uh, in Bucharest, in the nearshore team, and the rest of the team were working in, uh, in Munich. And I divided them into three teams. Which was then the operation controlling, the the project controlling, and the strategic controlling, and this also worked quite well. And uh, this I did for one year. Now you could you can ask why only one year? It's a very short time, of course. Um, and the reason for that one was at that time that I let's say also did the next steps in the in the career from a from a career letter perspective of alliance. You need to do for certain roles certain assessment centers. You know? So it's you know, same like. The same assessment center style usually which we do in Europe when you are entering into a new job as a, as a new joiner, really doing a structured interview or doing, an, uh, let's say, a business case, a presentation, this kind of stuff. And uh, I achieved my driver's license in 2017. And then, of course, I was, again, as I said at the beginning, looking for new challenges, looking for new opportunities. And um, I had one of these executive positions um, then open in accounting, tax, and treasury, the senior finance manager role, which I did now for the last three years. Um, so I yeah, applied for that. I mean, this is maybe also one of the things which which I I could give to to more junior people who are looking for career. One thing is that at, at one level of career, you're not applying anymore. You are speaking to people. You're building a network. And then you you try to 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 make the next career step through your network, or that you are being somewhere on the watch list when uh, new positions are available, and then you are um, let's say asked or you are appointed. So therefore, that's uh, yeah, that was a little bit the story around the, the positions in Alliance Technology. That was great. I think there's like another two really important points to hit on there, which the first one is that the difference of kind of what I would describe as like active experience when you're actually the one doing it versus passive experience where you're, you're the one kind of watching it happening, learning how it actually happens. Because um, I know when I came from consulting and it was at the IIF and as I kind of moved up the ladder, it was amazing that you suddenly realized, you know, the difference of perspective from when you're the consultant and you're saying, okay, XYZ should be the thing done and you never understand why the client doesn't do it or doesn't agree with you. 
And suddenly when you're on the other side, it makes so much more sense when you've sat around and actually seen how the decision gets made or seen what the considerations are that you just weren't aware of prior to that. Um, and I think that's kind of another invaluable lesson for, for most people. And uh, the second big one that I wanted to hit on is the kind of importance of shooting your shot if you have a good idea and pitching it to your boss, right? That's Nobody else is going to do that for you. And if you have a, a truly worthwhile idea, which I think, um, you know, when you get to that position, you can feel pretty confident that you have an idea that you can actually execute and you can actually make tangible. Um, and, you know, the hardest part is actually figuring out how to, how to pitch it and kind of get it approved and, and work through that, um, which is another super important lesson for most people, I think. Absolutely. And I mean, just to say, it, it, it does not always work out like that, right? I mean, in this case, it really worked out well, but I had another of great ideas where I pitched for and where I was really upset at the end that it didn't work out. No? I mean, uh, no, I, w one thing was that I, I wanted to have some, some, some budget in order to, to um, rework some, some business cases which we had. And I thought that we need for sure need a consultancy firm. We for sure need to spend a couple of euros in order to rebuild the, the model which we had at that time to make it better, not to, to have some, some value add. And uh, I got a clear no. No, so but my bosses said we don't see the need. You do it by yourself. You will not get any financials. And uh, and to be honest, a couple of years later now, if I look backwards, they were right. They were absolutely right. And this is also why why now, as with with having this experience in the background, I'm 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 questioning each and every let's say pitch which I'm doing twice, which does not mean that I'm not pitching at the end. No, but I'm I'm aware that things that things can be seen in different perspectives. And that things will not be, let's say, being so positive achieved like I think they would be, no? which means that, um, uh, yeah, I'm aware about that now. Yeah, you don't always need the the first pitch to be the one that lands, or you don't need to you don't need to bat a thousand. You just need to be able to get that one good idea that can kind of make a difference for your career and you know, the bottom line, hopefully, help the company as well. So I, I know I promised to only take up uh, so much of your time, and I think we could probably go on all day, but I kind of wanted to close thinking about what is the what does the future look like for you? We've talked about where you are and where you've been, but what's the, you know, what's the next three to five years? What's the next big idea that you're pitching to your boss? Uh, or kind of what are, the, what are the moves from here that you've been thinking about? So, I mean, um, I already had a great idea in 2019 when I was, uh, let's say, working in the accounting department and uh, we had these uh, region teams. In 2019, we um, put a new board composition and established something which we call a customer solution groups. And if you think of Allianz Technology being an IT shared service provider, we're having uh, our customers are the Allianz OEs. And we established at that time customer solution groups which were focused on the clients meaning they were dealing with them on a day-to-day -day basis with regards to the run services, with regards to the projects, but also with regards to the financials. And uh, we as a finance department, and here I'm, let's say, taking a bigger view, not only on accounting, but on the finance department, we did not have a structure in place to correspond to that change of this reorganization. So therefore, I, I was pitching to, to, my, to my current boss and then also to the CFO of the company to establish um, uh, regional financial officers, which at the end were mirroring this CSG organization, so that each of the CSGs has a has a, um, a kind of uh, counterpart on the finance side who is supporting him in order to speak to the client in the right way. Now, when it comes to the financials, which kind of charges did you do? 
why do you let's say um, uh, um, disputing any of our revenues no? and how do we respond to that one um, to have this information at hand I, I pitched a new organization of these regional financial officers and now for me luckily it turns out that we're having a new reorganization now which was uh, announced recently which was this week actually and um, now we will getting a kind of a CTO which replaces the CSGs with a with a bigger, bigger scope. And um, uh, I am uh, pitching now to be the regional CFO for one of the regions. And uh, it looks like it, it turns out well. So therefore, I would say that my next, my next big thing will be uh, uh, being a regional CFO for Allianz Technology, being responsible for um, roughly 600 million of costs starting from, from next year. And uh, my scope is also then increasing from uh, not only accounting, tax, and treasury, but then also taking over controlling legal risk and compliance for a certain perimeter of countries within one of the regions which we are currently setting up. So that's my next big thing. That's a pretty good next big thing. We, uh, for everyone listening, we are recording in uh, December, just before the Christmas holiday. So by the time everyone listens to this in January, maybe you'll be uh, settled into your new role and have that shiny updated LinkedIn profile for everyone who, uh, who ends up looking you up afterwards. Um, but thank you, Christoph, so much for, for joining us. And uh, I've really uh, had a great time spending uh, countless mornings on seminars for our future leaders group this year in 2020. And I uh, look forward to staying in touch. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you, Dylan. It was really nice talking to you. Thank you very much.